In these bleak days, humanity is at a breaking point. Economies are tanking. The woke mob is canceling everything. And the little guy who's just trying to run a small business is getting screwed from both ends. But not all is lost. Amidst the chaos, two men offer up their voices in the darkness, dropping 2,000-pound laser-guided truth bombs on today's lunacy. Introducing the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. Right, buddy there you go an oldie but a goodie coming back for a second time with the arrival finally of the second episode of top gun i have not seen it my brother has he took his family uh, over the weekend and he said it was outstanding said tom cruise crushed it all five foot two of them have you uh, have you seen it yet do you plan to see it have i have i have i seen top gun 2 yet is that, yeah. is that a serious question or is that okay? Well, yeah, to... that's a, yeah, no, that's what I'm, that's yeah, it's really an unfair question at this point since I know you're slogging your way through an extended family road trip. But uh, hopefully, one day, buddy, hopefully, one day, maybe, maybe we'll just wait and the next time you and I are together, we'll catch it. Does uh, does Tom Cruise die in this film? I don't know. I, I very specifically told my brother I just wanted a extremely high level assessment, no spoilers. Of course, David Pridham and Brad Sheaf, we're back at you. And, and listen, we mean business more than ever. Summer is almost here, and this is the time to choose your uh, podcast. And, and uh, we are uh, actually um, growing. We are on many different platforms, uh, levels. Uh, you can learn more about our show on our website, ipfrequently.com. I am on the road trip. I'm in the middle of a, a, a journey, if you will. We started in Dallas. We went to New Orleans. Uh, now we're in the happiest place on earth. We're in Orlando, Florida, Kissimmee, I believe, the happiest place on earth. But uh, and no one seems happy. I mean, no one. No. Like the people running around in the suits and it's 100 degrees. And I, I saw at least four people just collapse and they immediately you know, descend upon them with defibs and wet, you know, compresses and, and, and all this stuff, big, large syringes. Uh, but it, it, people are walking around. I saw a princess Leia who looked like three Carrie Fisher's combined, whatever, not, not here, neither here nor there. I saw 15 people that looked like my sister-in-law. I saw, oh. um, yeah, I, I, but, but listen, it did a lot of, a lot of nasty. I almost got in a fight at the, um, Mickey runaway railroad when I, when I, a grandpa almost elbowed my daughter in the head and I caught his elbow and I handed it back to him. And I said, well, you, you got to watch yourself, not elbow kids in the head. And then he, yeah. well, that seems reasonable. Away. Yeah. Now, would you assess that there's been any change in Disney world because you were recently there in the before and the after this whole fiasco with the, you know, now they're being taxed. They're, they're no longer allowed to sort of be their own, you know, entity inside the state of Florida. Any difference that you could see? No, none. I saw several members of the monkeys, I believe, running around. And I had it, Brad, I had an authentic meal, hmm. authentic meal today. Um, 
in Mexico, in, in Mexico, in the Mexican pavilion. Oh, yeah, in over Epcot Epcot. Epcot. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I had an authentic, as close you can get. Right. Actually being, being in, in Mexico. Yeah. No, in I Mexico. But yeah, yeah. you're in, you're in Orlando, Florida, Kissimmee. Yeah. And so I presume you had, you know, nachos and a hard shell taco. I uh, actually, uh, the kids had chicken tenders. Uh, ah, we had, we had some, yeah. we did have, we did have nachos and my wife had a chalupa. Ah, yeah. Very okay authentic. For her, I applaud that. Yeah. yeah. Very authentic. But anyway, uh, so that's the Disney trip. We'll keep you all posted on that. We're very, so we're posting pictures all along the way on the Insta face. So, uh, and, and, and Brad, I was stopped at least four or five times by people recognizing me, obviously from our social mm-hmm. media saying, mm-hmm saying, well, where's Brad? Well, Brad, is, we're not always together, right? We're together very often, yeah. not always yeah. together. Um, he has some commitments on the left coast. He's out there fulfilling some, some um, you know, meet and greets, you know, pressing the flesh, rubbing the elbow, whatever it's called. Shaking hands and kissing babies. That's right. That's right. Not yeah. here, but a lot of people sit to say hi to you. They're very, oh, some members you. of our studio audience, very excited. And everyone says that the most important 13 minutes of their week is our first segment when we go through the two big news items that they need to hear as small business owners and some were not. I, I think a couple were just were just vagrants um, mm-hmm. living off the teat of Disney World. Um, but uh, they, they've all been very clear that they need this 13 minutes. They write it down. They take it to the water cooler, to the coffee machine. In the case of vagrants, Brad, they take it to a busy intersection along with a sign and a can mm-hmm. to get uh, donations. But either way, uh, people are, are relying on this and, and they think that uh, this segment is the bee's knees. Yeah, regardless of where you are, intersection or water cooler, you'll be the best conversationalist there. Absolutely. absolutely. So here we go. The two news items, and we've already really hit one of them, which was Top Gun, $250 million, Obviously, that was a, uh, a big deal. But Brad, obviously, the, the big thing everyone's talking about this week is the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, obviously a tragedy that has its roots in in in, in evil. And and you know, sort of the more you learn about this, you, the more you see the red flags popping up with the um, the 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 person that did this. Um, but you also see some of the problems in the response by the police, sort of standing uh, outside, not storming the classroom allowing those poor kids to sit in that classroom and be terrorized and many of them killed uh, because of the inaction of police. And it seems like this is highlighting a lot of problems in our society. We've, we've spent a couple of years now having a war on police to the point where inaction is the best action in their, in their views. Um, but in this case, we sort of have a, a criminal justice system, a social sort of network um, uh, or safety net, if you will, all of which have, have failed and led to this terrible tragedy that that in, in some ways could have been mitigated by, I think, faster action by uh, law enforcement. But uh, what, what say you about this? Well, buddy, I mean, it's just it's all bad. Right. But it is also what we have asked for. Right. Like we continue and listen, so let's get the gun thing out of the way. Right. The, the, the Second Amendment of our Constitution provides for the right to keep and bear arms. I, I don't know. You're much more of a constitutional scholar than I am. I don't know what the right answer is 
to continuing to respect the Constitution while not needlessly endangering people. As if you've listened to this podcast, you know, I spent the first 25 years of my professional career almost daily carrying a gun in one capacity or another, either in the military or as an FBI agent. And I'm very familiar with them. I'm very capable with them. I know what they can do. And it might surprise folks to know that, that I don't have one. And, and I don't have any. I don't, I don't have any long arms. I don't have any handguns. I don't have, any, I don't have a single firearm. And the reason I don't is because I don't need it. I don't hunt. And I'm not afraid that someone is going to try and storm my household. And if they did, they're welcome because I, I have other tools at my disposal and I will make for a very unpleasant experience for them. I'm confident of that. But I, I don't want one because I can't really carry it. It's not like it used to be when I was in law enforcement. I don't want one in a safe. It doesn't do me any good. I don't want one in a position where someone might steal it or, God forbid, some kid might get a hold of it. I, I just, I, I don't need it. And so I am not, you know, the person who's going to stand up here and say, oh, you know, you can pry my gun for my cold dead face. I don't have one. Okay, but, but I can tell you that we could, this second, outlaw every firearm ever manufactured, and that would not prevent a situation like this from happening. The guy that did this didn't lawfully have the firearms anyway, right? So if someone's got a solution that's going to prevent both law-abiding citizens and criminals from ever getting their hand on a gun, so we just never see anybody with a gun again, fine, let's do that. But we all know that's not going to happen. Right? There are tons of laws on the books that limit the way that you can possess, manufacture, sell, resell, maintain, carry, all those things, everything that has to do with firearms. And yet, we still see these things occur because the, the rules and regulations are not the problem. And anybody who tells you they are is either ignorant or has a political agenda behind them. Right. What, what, what happened here is the perfect storm of not really caring about anybody. Right? I mean, this kid was a whack job, just like the one in Buffalo, New York. There were signs all over the place, but no one cared enough to do anything about that. Right? And, and the problem is that those folks who purport to be in charge, instead of addressing any of those root key issues, the fact that our society is crumbling, the fact that you know, we've got incredible divisiveness at all sorts of levels, socioeconomic, racial, sexual preference, all those things. We've got divisions in that nobody seems to want to address. We, we have no real methodology for dealing with crime anymore or mental illness. And the only thing that you see the, you know, quote unquote, leadership of the country doing is throwing up their hands and saying, we've got to do something about these guns. Fine. If all the guns disappeared, you morons, we would still have violent crime. We would still have mass murders because the society promotes it. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that's I think that's all that's all right. I think we have gangs shooting up New York City. I mean, literally shooting up New York City with illegal guns. Um, same thing in L.A., same thing in Portland. I mean, people just walking around the streets in full body armor um, for these BLM rallies and, and and also on the other side, I mean, these crazy right wing militia, whatever the hell they're doing. And we've sort of desensitized ourselves to this and this type of this type of violence. I mean, in this case, you're right about how the perpetrator 
got the guns. And also, you know, the, the red flag laws that are in place um, raised red flags about him. I mean, when he decapitated a cat, they raised red flags about him. So, you know, that that's a huge that's a huge problem. And it, it, it's really a shame. And, and I, I, I wish I had the solution. I'm all for any of these things that people are throwing out there, whether it's, uh, you know, universal background checks or waiting periods or, you know, banning or, or flagging people that are buying these crazy body armor suits along with, with these weapons. And so I'm, I'm all for all of that. But am I confident that any of that is going to solve this problem? No, I am not. I don't think the problem is going to be solved and take, until we take a look at society and really look at ourselves in the mirror and have responsible leadership that can lead us through what's really happening here. And unfortunately, we don't have any of that. Yeah, but, but I couldn't agree more. And you've hit the nail on the head. You take any sort of objective morality out. When you start telling people, hey, there is no right and wrong, there's just right for you and right for me and wrong for you and wrong for me, how are you going to draw lines? And we have seen that happen. You can learn more about our show on IPFrequently.com, the website. Follow us on the social media at IP underscore frequently. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe uh, to our podcast on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts and tell a friend. We are growing, uh, Brad, uh, like crazy, and it's because we tell the unvarnished truth that other podcasts refuse to tell. Yeah, that's it, buddy. If, if we, we, Not only are we going to tell you the truth, there's going to be no varnish on it. No varnish exactly whatsoever. exactly sure what it would look like if it was varnished, but what we're giving you is truth without any varnish or even a patina. Nothing. Not nothing, not a yeah. not a thing, uh, Brad. This week, the big story out of the Insta face is that there are some, uh, and, and you've heard of. Obviously, you have a social media platform. You are on the uh, IP frequently uh, social media channel at IP underscore frequently, and um, what we do at IP frequently on the Insta face is we uh, try to communicate with y'all about our our show, our program, our. Um, our way of life. Um, and then eventually we'll throw out some nice swag, uh, maybe a, a hoodie, a, I don't know, backpack. Um, fanny pack. Yeah. Fanny pack, whatever floats your boat. But, uh, but, uh, and then a lot of people like the Kardashians, you know, use the Insta face to sell things, you know, sell uh, jewelry, um, uh, fine uh, makeup, shoes, Brad, some people buy used shoes, others don't. <clears throat> so they're called influencers, right? And influencers oh, okay. on the TikTok and the Instagram, they make a lot of money because they, what they do is they basically sell their users uh, a bill of goods. And then the next thing you know, they're walking around with an IP frequently t-shirt. Um, well, Brad, there's a new category um, of influencers on the uh, big social media scene that are making their banking they are banking. They are taking money to the bank. Mm -hmm. Pet influencers, Brad, pet influencers. We spent a lot of time on pets on this show. Um, there are some pets, Brad, there are some pets on the InstaFace that are earning up to $26,000 per post. $26,000 per post. For example, Brad, the um, pet influencer all about cats um, has uh, filed to go public 
and has announced that it receives $26,400 for each post that it's paid for. Um, It has 27.6 million followers, all about cats, and over 590 million likes. That that includes pets and human beings. Uh, This is happening over and over again, not just all about cats. There are dogs, Brad, including Jif Palm. Jif Palm is the number two pet influencer on social media. Jif Palm appears to be some form of a um, Pomeranian. Uh, 20 million InstaFace followers, 518 million likes. The it's a Pomeranian, a pint size Pomeranian. And Brad, the pint size Pomeranian earns $21,000 per post on the TikTok, um, bringing his net worth to approximately $4.8 million. Um, so, Brad, as, as you learn more about the social media platform, and I'm, I'm laughing a little bit because I'm literally looking at a uh, um, a picture of two cats reading a menu um, and uh, <clears throat> apparently making some sort of a, a, a recipe, perhaps uh, the, oh. the all about cats. They're very, I mean, first of all, they're very, they're, they're, well, they're, they're wealthy, right? They're yes. wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, the Pomeranian is, I mean, it's a beautiful pet. There's a beautiful, beautiful pet. Um, and so I guess as you learn more about this, you learn how even, Animals, canines, felines are monetizing um, their wares, so to speak. I mean, this, this Pomeranian is beautiful. Um, you making tens of millions of dollars, um, in some cases less. Uh, do, are, are, do you have second thoughts about uh, your staying off of uh, social media? No, buddy, I don't. I, I, I don't. Right. This is sort of a personal decision I've made. I, I enjoy it. I, I am never hassled by my social media because I don't have it. Next, Brad, Joe Biden has been at, back at it again. <clears throat> Obviously, the president has a lot in his plate. He almost started a war last week in uh, in, uh, in in Taiwan. He is um, obviously um, uh, the uh, perpetrator of some of the biggest gas home and supply uh, increases in terms of inflation that we've seen since the Carter uh, regime in the 70s, which I believe you were part of. Uh, And now apparently President Biden is, quote, furious at his aides who repeatedly walk back his gaffes. And he says that undermines his credibility. Um, You know, for example, when he said that we would uh, fully back Taiwan and go to war with China, um, getting away from sort of our, our set policy for a year of obscure ambiguity or whatever it's called. So, Brad, does this give you confidence that we're on the right track in this country and that Joe Biden can turn things around? No, but it does give me confidence that we're on the track we deserve to be on. Right. I mean, again, we are a democracy, so we get what we vote for. And everyone who voted for Joe Biden, literally everyone knew he was a dunce when they voted for him, but they didn't want to vote for the guy that said mean things. And look, I get that. Okay. I mean, I, I, there is something about the American persona, which I admire that says, Hey, we we would really prefer not to have an a-hole in the white house. I get it. I get it. But when you voted for Joe Biden, you, you voted for a dunce. And so your walk back department, which is the busiest department in the White House, is necessary, pal. It's necessary. 
But then, Brad, we get the report this week, and this is something that sort of you get some inside baseball on. Um, Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden, who I believe is a doctor of um, what herbal medicine, is that right? Yeah, something like that. Those essential oils that you drop in those little things and blow them around your house. I think she's a specialist in that. Yeah, the gummies, the, the CBD gummies. Or it could be the gummies, yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently, her and Joe often fight in front of the Secret Service. Um, <laughs> and, and what she has said is that she and, and Grandpa Joe need to needed to strategize about how to hide their fights from the Secret Service because they were concerned about people seeing them fighting. And so they invented fexting. Oh, well, that that sounds interesting. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Mm -hmm. that's fighting over text. Correct. She said it is uh, fexting, fighting over text. They've fought over uh, many minor things, um, which is kind of ironic. Uh, But uh, she said that she and, and Joe now they only fight via text thus they use the term they've coined the phrase fexting and in addition to that she is the first first lady ever to appear on the cover of harper's bazaar which i believe is a some sort of a uh, a farmer's catalog of some sorts yeah well hopefully it's bizarre because that would uh, that would make perfect sense you know what they need to do they need to get old jizzy palm to do their texting for them Right. I mean, that that is apparently one of the world's leading experts in creating, you know, sort of virtual messages is a Pomeranian. And I would try to be the first to get them. You know, if I was Joe or Jill, I would try to, you know, sort of outmaneuver my my marital partner and get to Jizzy Palm as quickly as I could in order to get a leg up in the fexting war. Yeah, I'm not sure if they could get a meeting with Palm. At this point, I'm, I'm just not sure. No, and 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 look, if if he did get the Pomeranian at the White House, at least he could rub its belly. Maybe, maybe. Next, next, Brad, we got big news from the Reverend uh, Justin Welby. Ah, good old Rev Welby. Have you have you followed uh, Reverend uh, Welby in the past? I don't believe I've ever heard the name. The Archbishop of Canterbury, which I believe is a chocolate bar. Is that correct? Don't they make the eggs at Easter time? Canterbury cream eggs, yeah. I didn't realize that the church put an archbishop over the manufacture of those eggs, but that's a good idea. I I like the caramel eggs. I don't like the cream eggs. The the, the cream is weird. I don't know if I like that. Well, now you know who to go to. You go to the archbishop of the eggs. and Justin. Make a case. Yeah, And I guess the, the archbishop of the Canterbury has been ruling over the egg empire and i believe they have bars like the wispa have you ever had a wispa oh, i don't think i've had a wispa but just the name alone is intriguing mm, no it's a it's a cadbury bar mm-hmm. and it's good and for those of you out there uh, in the audience the small business owners this is where you want to pick up your pen and write this down um the the it's a cadbury bar but it's airy because it's got like little air bubbles in it. And so it's like you're biting into sort of not a thick chocolate bar, but it's a it's a wispy bar because there's air bubbles in it. Wow. Wonder how they do that. I mean, I'm not sure. There must be some sort of a patent or intellectual property, but there's no time to talk about that now. No. Um, anyway, the Archbishop of Cadbury, uh, Justin Welby, um, has uh, now gone on the record. Right? And I know you like to have sort of follow-ups on stories we've 
um, we, we've we've tracked in the past. Of course, Prince Andrew is someone that you near and dear to your heart. I believe you've had you broken bread with him. I'm not not 100 sure, but anyway, we've been talking about his sex trafficking uh, uh, trials and and the settlements with the the women who he violated and all that horrible. Uh, sexual history that uh, made him a global predator. Well, now the Archbishop of the Cadbury has said, Justin Welby, um, that the d- disgraced prince, Prince Andrew, uh, should be forgiven. Um, he said that the the prince has said he was sorry for the sexual assault that he committed on multiple women. Um, he is, quote, trying to make up for the sex scandal and um, uh, he, he basically said he should get, uh, you know, tabula rasa, clean slate. We should shake the old etch-a-sketch when it comes to Prince Andrew, who I believe used to be called the Duke of um, Edinburgh or Earl or something. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, we now have probably the highest uh, point of authority in the uh, Church of England. Uh, saying that the prince should be forgiven, and I, I suppose this is sort of like the um, the word of the queen or or whatever whatever you want to say. But when you get this type of person vouching for you, it can only mean good things. Oh, buddy, you, you, you got to be careful here a little bit. You got to parse this a little bit, right? So before we send the archbishop back to the eggs in disgrace, I mean, you and I have had this conversation in the past. You know, not, we have a whole different podcast on this topic. Um, But forgiveness is a good thing, right? Because what forgiveness does is it relieves you of any burden you might be carrying about a wrong done to you. And and obviously, it has to be a wrong, right? If it wasn't a wrong, if it was just a mistake, like if someone accidentally hit your car, then they don't really need forgiveness, right? If they rammed into it at top speed intentionally, then then they do, right? And so forgiveness is a good thing because it, it removes the burden of the bitterness that you're carrying. But it is very different from forgetting about it, right? Or saying it was okay. So to the extent that the Archbishop of Tasty Eggs is advocating that, you know, folks do not carry around this bitterness, that they, you know, they forgive this in their own interest. I, I'm, a, I'm 100% in agreement with that. To the extent that he is advocating that, you know, everything should now just be set back to zero and Andrew should be allowed to just go about his business like he isn't a global pariah, mm-hmm. then our boy's got to go back to the eggs, right? And never come back out because that is ridiculous and that is not appropriate, right? And, and neither is it just. Okay, and so, you know, forgiveness is a good thing. Justice is also a good thing. So, you know, for any of you who may be carrying a grudge against Prince Andrew, it would be good to let that grudge go and go on with your life. But Prince Andrew should probably not be allowed to just go about his business. He is a douche. Yeah, well, I mean, look, touche, 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 as uh, they would say. And and for the Bishop of uh, the Cadbury, probably different um, battles that are a little more important that he should be fighting, but yeah, you know, again, that's Agreed. neither here nor there. Finally, Brad, we have um, uh, an interesting um, sort of uh, feel good story uh, because we talked about the Pomeranians at the beginning um, who are banking on the Insta phase and the TikTok. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, Brad, we've got a lifelong uh, dog lover 
who has sort of fulfilled his 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 dream. And, and Brad, as you know, the Japanese are dog lovers. You and I have been there many times. We often walk through the royal gardens of of the the moon and uh, you see you know pomeranians running just running around everyone loves them over there well uh lifelong dog lover toko who is a japanese citizen i believe he lives in osaka has um fulfilled his lifelong dream he's always wanted to live life as a far four-legged friend as a as a as a canine and um toko uh decided to go ahead and buy yes and buy himself a <clears throat> a dog suit and live his life as a uh, a dog suit. So Toko went to a Japanese uh, company. He spent two million yen, Brad, two million yen, which is which is <laughs> less than <laughs> less dollars than Palm gets for one of his or her they uh, posts on the TikTok. Um, on a dog costume through a company, a Japanese company called Zepit. Um, it took him about 40 days to make a bespoke collie outfit. And oh, Kali. Um, that's he chose he chose Kali. Togo immediately took to the uh, floor and, and and this is a beautiful video that he took of himself in the sort of bizarre where he dressed in the costume and just sort of paraded around his house um literally dressed as a well i mean as a collie um spokesman for the zepit company said that the uh, outfit was modeled after a collie dog it reproduces the appearance of a real dog walking on four legs even though it's a human being uh posting the video on the twitter toko said uh that uh, as he uh, roamed around his house in his dog costume and rolled on the floor. Uh, quote, I ordered a costume. Thanks to you. I was able to fulfill my dream of becoming an, an animal. And, and I'll tell you what, Brad, I, I don't know if you've seen this. He is a beautiful, this is a beautiful collie, almost Lassie-like. He added that there are some restrictions in movement, but you can move pretty well in it. However, if you move too much, it will not, it will not look like a dog. Uh, yeah, so well, that's an excellent point, I'm sure. So Toko is a human being, a Japanese man, and he has spent thousands so that he can live life effectively as Lassie. Yeah. Is that, mm -hmm. is that where we're at with this? Yeah. As one commenter said on his, on his Twitter quote, I think it's awesome that you've become a border collie. Never change who you are. So I, mean, I just did change who he was. I mean, that's sort of well, I think you mean, I mean, internally yeah. inconsistent. We are taking uh, those uh, folks out there who run small and midsize businesses, even the folks, Brad, in the Fortune 500, the Fortune 50. We will help, help shape their mind and prepare them for the world out there so that they know when they're walking through a dog park and they see a collie trot up to them and start like pumping their leg. That could be a, a very diminutive Japanese gentleman named Toko. Could be. Could be. You just don't know anymore. You just don't know. But what we do know is you can uh, learn more about the show on our website, IPFrequently.com. We have all sorts of information. If you want to interact with us, that's the way to do it. You can submit your questions, your queries, your concerns. And there are, listen, 
after the first two segments of the show, I have a lot of concerns. I may go submit something on the website after this, and you can learn more about us uh, on our social media platform, uh, Instagram, TikTok, and the Twitter and Facebook at IP underscore frequently. And remember to rate and review our podcast, follow, subscribe, force your friends to subscribe immediately pick up the phone dial 20 friends and do not let them get off the phone until they subscribe to the podcast start a fext if you have to if you have to fext fext just don't i wouldn't do it with um <clears throat> the first lady dr dr um uh, biden uh, or camilla parker Bowles, the duchess of uh, cornhole no neither they're expert fexters uh, next, Brad, we get into the uh, political realm. And uh, listen, we have promised to have our uh, finger on the pulse of the nation as we draw closer to the big uh, uh, election. Obviously, this is a pivotal year. Everyone needs to get out and vote. If you like what's happening, I guess don't vote. But if you care about what's happening, if you care about how to affect change, if you see things that are going on in this country, like the senseless uh uh, shootings uh, that are going on in classrooms, uh, like runaway inflation, like border, uh, the border crisis, like uh, a war in Europe, a war in uh, potential war in Asia, a president that doesn't know the difference between the two. Um, if you want to change that, then you got to get out and vote. We have promised to be on the uh, front line in terms of the election this week, Brad, Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, Paul Pelosi, that's PP, um, uh, was pulled over in Napa this, uh, this, uh, past Memorial day weekend, man of the people. Uh, I, I think I, he, he blew, he blew three or four times the legal limit <laughs> and was immediately arrested for uh, drunk driving. And now it comes out that, uh, he, um, years ago, uh, had a similar incident where he flipped a car and his, his, his brother, uh, passed away in a, in a drunk driving accident years and years ago. Uh, when when Paul was 16, so it was you know, obviously about about 100 years ago. Mm. But um, this sort of gets to the uh, gets the issue of these limousine liberals, right? Who um, don't even drive limousines; they just go out, think it's okay to have a bottle of wine, and then get behind the wheel of the car and start driving down the road. The rules don't apply to them, and <clears throat> you've got to wonder at what point people are going to see this after you know learning about Nancy Pelosi's twenty dollar pints of ice cream that she eats and. The governor of California during a, uh, a mask mandate going out to the French Laundry, which is one of the toniest restaurants in the world, and uh, sitting down for a couple of hours with 20 other people and not wearing a mask. When people sort of see these incidents and say, you know, hold on, let me put my hand up. I've had enough and it's time to uh, time to, to, to change all this. Um, I'm not optimistic that it'll happen, but really another example of just the egregious way that our politicians um, treat us. And also another side point here is that since Nancy, Nancy Pelosi went to Congress, you know, about 140 years ago, uh, her and her husband, Paul, have raked up about, you know, 200 million in uh, gross assets that they've added to the, the, uh, their nest as they feather their, their nest. And so you, know, you would think, you would hope that something like this would call uh, people to the polls so that they could prevent these type of people from going back into power. Well, you would you would think so, and you would certainly hope so, but we're almost like, you know, beaten dogs. I mean, real dogs, not the, you know, 
dude in a dog suit, although I guess the analogy right would in. apply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, we, we, we somehow think this is what we deserve, right? Like these are the people we're supposed to have and, and that they, they, you know, somehow live in a special universe where, you know, the rest of us, our actions automatically, you know, are attributed to us and we have to suffer the consequences and there's no way out and et cetera, et cetera. But if you're in the political class, then, you know, these things are, suppo- are supposed to be swept under the rug. And, you know, the one thing I never understood about people who go after Trump for his taxes and, and listen, I, I don't know what the guy has to hide. Maybe nothing, maybe everything. I, I don't know. But Trump was in politics for, you know, approximately five years. Now, you can argue that he remains in politics now and that's fine. But he, he was in politics for about a year leading up to the election and then four years as the president. To the extent that guy has any money at all, and there's obviously people who think he's got a ton of it. There are people who think he really has none of it. it. It doesn't matter. To the extent that whatever his net worth is, he acquired it outside of politics. Okay, but everybody wants to see that guy's tax return. Why is no one hollering to see a tax return of someone like Nancy Pelosi, who's never had an honest job in her life, and somehow is 240 million bucks? I mean, don't you want to know where that money came from? Because that money showed up in the Pelosi coffers while she was supposedly representing her constituency from the great state of California. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, one, of, one of the interesting things is Nancy Pelosi is one of the biggest opponents of preventing members of Congress and their family from trading individual stocks, which well, of course she should, have been, should have been banned and barred. You know, a hundred years ago, but she continues to do it. They've they've made a ton of money investing while um, uh, she was rising in the uh, yeah. Well, putting her finger on the scale, and if you or I did that, we'd go to jail. Yeah, and 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 listen, I, I will continue to monitor the twenty twenty two election. Obviously, a lot of uh, important decisions are being made. Uh, but uh, Brad, more importantly, you and I have agreed that one of the key. Um, uh, elements of our show is going to be continuing to monitor technology. Brad, as we talked about a few weeks ago, one of our big concerns is the safety of people in the metaverse. And we had talked a few weeks ago about some basic laws that needed to be implemented um, uh, in order to keep everyone safe in the metaverse. Uh, now, Brad, our concerns are sort of coming to bear. Uh, a 20-year-old female um, who joined the Horizon World virtual reality platform on the metaverse through Facebook uh, has claimed uh, she was um, uh, sexually assaulted in the uh, virtual reality metaverse. Uh, Vicky Wyatt uh, has said that uh, the incident um, was a was a problem, even though quote, okay, this isn't my real body. This is an avatar but it's still a big deal and a crime. Um, She said she was initially confused when she was confronted by two different male avatars, Um, but she said it's real important uh, what I'm doing and I need to capture the footage and report to the proper authorities. In the footage, the woman is in a virtual room with two male avatars, and one of the avatars uh, appears to get very close to the... um, 
female avatar and made a lewd comment about her. Um, again, this all happened online, but it still counts according to the victim. Uh, it still has a real impact on users and should be punishable to the full extent of the law. Uh, so Brad, um, uh, this woman obviously has probably gone into virtual hiding on the virtual uh, reality platform, the metaverse. Um, uh, but uh, she did say, and I quote, within 60, 60 seconds of joining the metaverse, I was verbally assaulted by three to four male avatars with essentially male voices. So obviously this is, um, this is a problem. She also said she was, quote, virtually gang raped by these other avatars. Um, and so, Brad, what do we do here? I mean, do, do we have to uh, should we send police into the metaverse to prevent this from happening again? Uh, is there some sort of a global solution, a police force, if you will, that could take care of it? Um, how, how would you I mean, you have a background in criminal justice. How would you how would you handle this? Buddy, let me. Let me just get this straight. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I yeah, I have never spent any time in the metaverse. I don't think you have either. So these avatars of which we speak, these are like little cartoony characters, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. So, so if I'm understanding this correctly, what happened here is this gal's personal cartoon mm -hmm. um, was approached by some strange masculine looking cartoon correct and and just the cartoon got very or this person's cartoon got really close to her cartoon and that said something mean mm -hmm. correct yeah listen this is uh this is not high on my priority list right we have real people getting real dead in the real world real commonly and anyone who is advocating that the first problems you need to fix are because your cartoon got its little cartoon feelings hurt yep. by someone else's cartoon is a moron. Okay, now having said that, if you're the kind of person who will go and create a cartoon so that you can be mean to other people's cartoons, <laughs> then you're a jackass and you should stop it. Okay, you should just stop it. Maybe, you, maybe your cartoon should be taken away from you. I don't know. I'm not sure how that... <laughs> you know, is supposed to happen or be done. Um, but we certainly can't send cartoon police in, into the cartoon universe uh, because then they will just, you know, be cartoon fascists, apparently, according to many folks here in the real world. So what we need to do is we need to send cartoon social workers in yeah. who could go up and hold the cartoon hand of the cartoon woman and help her feel better and then point their cartoon finger at the cartoon man and say you're bad you're a bad cartoon this yeah. is this is crazy this is this is this is why we are where we are well it's let's crazy. let's move on to some things more seriously brad of course the colonel's review um is a uh you know sort of a a, a dress rehearsal of the trooping the color which is something that happens for the queen's jubilee very excited it's going to be uh, june 2nd uh, the queen obviously 75 years brad in uh in in power holding her hand on the level of power i believe she also has nuclear codes um well there's a big controversy 
uh, about the uh, Trooping the Color and the Colonel's Review. This is where all the beautiful horses, Brad, get together, the ones that have been put down because of scurvy or other uh, diseases. Avian Uh, flu, et cetera. Apparently, there is a controversy within the Queen's Guard about this, this horse. Actually, no, it's named Georgie, Brad. It's named Georgie. Um, And uh, he is actually a household division charger named Georgie. And during the rehearsal, Georgie uh, had its head drooping. And there is a uh, there is a a move afoot to investigate what happened with this uh, household division charger, Georgie, uh, because uh, apparently there is a, a thought that he was drugged to go through the um, whole rigmarole, I guess you would call it, or festivities, others would, um, without, you know, causing a stir, I guess, just sort of moving through like a glue horse uh, under the, uh, the, uh, the prince of, prince of whatever he is, the, the prince. <laughs> it, it kills me that we have all the things going on in the world that we have going on. And somehow the biggest thing we have to talk about is one of these horses dropped Dropped his. Head. I don't know anything about horses, but again, I mean, I maybe dry lost a contact lens. Maybe he's ducking. I mean, for all I know, some somebody threw something at the horse. I, but I don't see it as you know being the proverbial showstopper. Um, Brad, uh, this week, barter band pulling a tubin. Pulling a tubin. Pulling a tubin should be barter band. <clears throat> That's going to be a hard one on me because I don't know what a tubin is, and therefore I can't tell you whether or not pulling on it is acceptable social behavior. Well, pulling a tubin under the Urban Dictionary is referred to as accidentally leaving a web or phone camera on while engaging in sexual activity on a Zoom. Ah, like uh, uh, like Jeffrey the CNN tubin. guy, tubin. Yeah, Jeffrey yeah. Tubin. Okay. Jeffrey All right, I'm with you. Yeah. This past week, Brad, a um, couple, a middle-aged couple, um, inadvertently left their um, uh, Zoom camera on. They were actually virtually attending a bar mitzvah at uh, Temple Bethel in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, This was uh, happening while they were in uh, New York. Um, This middle-aged couple, uh, during the bar mitzvah, decided to engage in coitus. Quote, she was walking around naked. She got dressed. She's in and out of the Zoom. He was in the bed. He, quote, whipped it out, and she started going to work. Someone in the Zoom saw and called. It was like, WTF are you doing? You're on camera. That's probably what drove Toko into a dog suit. He was Listen, probably, that's, somebody probably pulled a tube in on him. He was probably at that dang bar mitzvah. He, he saw that thing. He said, he said, get me that collie costume get right me away. that collie costume. I'm diving into it. Buddy, the world has gone nuts. I don't know what to tell you. I, I guess the only thing I can tell you is that we will be right back here next week. No matter who gets in a dog costume, we'll be here on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome. <laughs>